Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mike Paro, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, quarantined like everybody else in the world. How are you doing? Oh, bless you. All good here. Thank you, sir. You actually got married just before uh, you went into quarantine. How are you finding going into lockdown immediately after getting married, pretty much? It, it was kind of funny because, you know, when you have a lot of friends that, uh, in the wrestling business, they couldn't really come to the wedding. And then all of a sudden they could come to the wedding. And then regular people were like, oh, were a little bit afraid to come because the news and everything. So our wedding ended up being way more wrestlers coming than a lot of immediate family. So it ended up working out and being a really fun and great time. And I'm happy that I was able to get it in. Uh, either way, we were going to get married. <laughs> there, whether it was a big ceremony or we were just going to uh, just be me and me and my husband. But uh, we had, we had a plan for a while. And we, it's very hard between, uh, going back and forth to Japan to really set set when we're going to get married. And he was like, no, we're doing this. <laughs> Have you learned anything about your husband uh, whilst in lockdown that you didn't know before you were married? I think he learned more about me. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, like we had been together for six years and we and from the moment I met him, I never wanted him to leave. So we, we were always together. He is literally my best friend. So, uh, I don't know if learn anything per se, but we've, <laughs> I, I think I've learned how to annoy him. Like, <laughs> like I know how to annoy him better when I, when I want to get something that I want, because uh, let's be honest, he's the only one technically really working right now. Um, <laughs> his, his job, uh, he's, he's basically a rocket scientist. He works for Lockheed Martin. I call myself a coworker and now he's at work today. And I was like, can I come? I'm like, I'm technically your coworker. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. I was like, yeah, I'll just talk to Karen in accounting. I'm sure it'll be great. We are sending you onto a desert island, Mike. And on that island, you're going to get to watch wrestling matches uh, of your choosing. So what would you like your first match to be? Okay, so the whole thing, the whole question was really hard because, like I told you, I, I watch so much wrestling, like from independence to anything. I, I'm I'm a wrestling junkie. Like I'm a fan deep down, and I hate when wrestlers say, "Oh, I'm not a fan." I'm like, "Come on, it's it's one of the most enjoying things to watch." But one of the biggest influences in my career, period, has been Mick Foley. He's the reason I'm a pro wrestler. Um, so really hard to pick one Mick Foley match because I consider him one of the greatest storytellers of all time. Um, but if I had to choose a match, I was going to go with. Uh, the in your house match between him and Shawn Michaels, Mind Games. I thought one of, that was the first time I realized what that wrestling is a story, not moves. And be, being little, and I realized they're telling a story. Like I realized it. So that's why that match is so special to me, and I could watch over and over and over again. Plus, I was just so enamored by Mick Foley, and I remember thinking as a little fat kid, I'm like. This guy doesn't look like everybody else. He isn't jacked. He isn't, and he's in the ring. And maybe one day I can do this because of him. So that's the first match I've picked. Mankind, what do you have in store for Shawn Michaels? Misery and destiny. You see, I live to make Shawn Michaels miserable. I live to make his click feel the pain that I've known my whole life 
You see, Uncle Paul has told me that it's my destiny to hear Shawn Michaels gurgle screams. It's my destiny to hear his liver rupture. It's my destiny to hold my hand aloft, Uncle Paul. And Before we go into this, I, I, I'm a huge, I was a WWE fan, like back in the day, because it was either you like WCW or you like WWE. That when I was growing up, you had to choose. Like if you like during the, during that whole period, like you chose, even though this was 96, it was still like, that was what was on TV. Cause I'm from New York. So that they dominated the North in television programming. And I remember watching this with my sister and that was the first time she stopped liking wrestling. <laughs> and I started loving it because prior to that, I really didn't love it as much as she loved it. And then we switched. Uh, I was just enamored by, by Foley. Just, I was like, wow, who is, it? and I, previous to this point, I had no idea. I never knew who he was prior to being mankind at this point. Uh, uh, at that age. I didn't know anything about independent wrestling or anything else. What was it that turned your sister off of wrestling? She was a uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, Bret Hart fanatic, like, when we were little. Like, those were her, her guys, and, like, Crush and all that. And I really wasn't into it at, at the time. Like, uh, I was into it, like, but not as into it as she was. Like, And then all of a sudden... She she went to more of the into cheerleading and I and then I was like wrestling's awesome like that's what I started really getting into it because the 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 stories changed it was more gritty and rough and I was becoming a teenager and we were just going our separate ways and it was just I found I found something in wrestling if that makes sense uh, it was like an escape from like I didn't play video games all I did was sports and it was one thing on television that I actually enjoyed watching from beginning to the end for the first time in my life because it takes really hard to keep my attention for a very long period of time before 14 15 years old was the first time I was like I want to be a pro wrestler so I had a friend named uh, Tamara and Tamara was a very pretty girl all we did every every month order the pay-per-views she was an Undertaker fan. To this day, she's still an Undertaker fan. We're still friends. Uh, <laughs> huge Taker fan. And I was a Mick Foley fan. And you can imagine what happened during that, that Hell in the Cell match. I, w I wanted to cry. <laughs> I was like, still jokes to this day. Oh, he won't. I, I was like, there's no way he'll throw him off the cage. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, he threw him off the cage. Oh, 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 he's going back up the cage. There's no way. Oh, he fell through the cage. Okay, he's definitely dead. And I was like, I, I remember watching that match, and I know, I know, uh, listening to podcasts and knowing Mick, I know that it, that's not his favorite match, and he kind of hates talking about it. But it's kind of the one of the most iconic matches ever in the history of wrestling. Besides, like where mind games, it's always funny with Mick Foley. Mick Foley ha has always been used to make other wrestlers give other wrestlers their hardcore rub if that makes sense. Mm. Like, I always look at Mick Foley has always been used to make wrestlers tough. Like, when they needed to make wrestlers tough, like Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Randy Orton, Edge, when they needed that rub to be like, We're, we can hang, it was Mick Foley who made them who they are in that level. And I was just like, wow, imagine be, having that n enough credibility of just wrestling you makes you tough. You went to train with the 3D Academy, didn't you? Yes, I did. First of all, I always say it's the Harvard of wrestling schools. <laughs> I will say that not just because I go there and I was, I'm was i biased, but uh, I'm one of those big believers, especially because I come from the sports world. If you're really good at sports, you're not a really good – you can't teach it. Like Michael Jordan is a terrible like teacher of the game, but one of the greatest of all times. Does that make sense? It absolutely so I, does, yeah. Yeah, I, I've always had that philosophy. So when I did my research, I wanted to know why these two guys, being who they were and where they came from, made millions of dollars and are some of the most influential tag teams of all time, if not one of the greatest tag teams, being how they, they were. And I, I know they would get mad at me saying that as like, because everybody has like an ego and stuff. 
but I literally chose them because the Dudleys really weren't my favorite tag team of all time. <laughs> like, in fact, they, they they weren't up there. Like, I it, when I watch wrestling, I was like, oh, it's the Dudleys. It, it, I I come from the north, so I had ECW, you know. But I, I was always like, ECW to me was like the Executioners. They were like, like Sat Perry Saturn and Kronos. Like they're doing flips off the top rope, being like three hundred pounds, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> like, and then the Dudleys. So I wanted to know how did they do it? What's their secrets? How did they get to the the level of top guys being like me? So I wanted to get the knowledge they had any way, shape, or form. And I've always been like that. Talk to me about your first day. So I I walked into the 3D Academy at 345 pounds. Uh, I had just gotten done being an offensive lineman playing football. So when I showed up to the thing, I wore a suit. By the way, I still wear a suit to every important venue. Uh, I, always, I, always, I always do that. It, it, it's me. I always think athletes should do that. It, it just gives a different ambiance when a person carries themselves with a little bit of, like, you know, it's a suit. I, I hate when people wear sweatpants or stuff like that to, like, arenas. I don't know. That, that's always me. So I wore a suit. And did I get, like, every dude in there, every guy and girl was like, what is this dude doing? Like, because I didn't know. And plus, I come from the sports world. Wrestling isn't like that anymore. There isn't a lot of former NFL guys or football guys or soccer guys that's in WWE but in the independents it's more video game kids and, and and that's not a bash on them whatsoever that's just the different era of coming up and you know that they weren't really in high school they weren't really into sports but they're very athletic you can't take their athleticism away from them you know what i mean um, but i came from a where a locker room is like very alpha male oriented if that makes sense so it was the first time in my life where i wasn't the cool kid like like i've always played played football and i've always been boisterous and in your face and then i come in here and they're like uh bubba's like you suck <laughs> like okay well there we go first day work <laughs> so i always joke that i'm the black sheep of the 3d family because i have a mouth on me <laughs> and I question a lot of things. Uh, you, you know, I, I came from college, so I had just graduated college, and uh, I have a degree in political science and psychology. So I like questions, and I've always been brought up in the sports world that practice is practice. So you're going to make the mistakes and practice that you do not make it out there. Problem with pro wrestling training is guys have the tendency to always want to make the teacher happy. Just like in school, but I, I came from the coaching world where I was like, I want to get this right, so I want to know why I did it wrong. Well, that drives coaches nuts. I drove Bubba insane. Insane. Like, insane. So, from day one, uh, I failed the evaluate, evaluation to get into the advanced class 14 times. 14 times. 14 times. God. 14 times. But could it take, take that exam, right? Like, if you took it, you had to wait another, like, three weeks to take it again. Or another two weeks. It depended on when Bubba wanted to let you take it again. What was it that drove you when you failed, say, the fourth time to sit and do it a fifth and then a sixth and then a seventh? Uh, I hate failure. <laughs> I. I, I hate it. I I I hate not winning. I I'm a very competitive person, but when I set my mind to something, no matter, I, I've always everybody my whole life, no matter what I've done, has told me I can't do this. I hate I can't. It just means they can't do it, or somebody they 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 don't see it in you. But you you're in control of your own destiny. I've always believed that. It's just you're going to have to work harder than everybody else. I knew getting into wrestling, why I even chose the Dudleys was this isn't a race. Uh, this, this this is a marathon. I'm going to take longer than everybody else to get there. I'm not going to get there overnight. I'm not going to walk into the performance center. They're like, damn, 
<laughs> like they did to Austin Theory. They're, they're not going to do that to me, ever. Nobody is. But I'm going to have to prove by hard work and doing it, doing it the hard way of getting there. But I always say it this way. The longer I've taken, the more I'm learning. So when I do get there eventually, I have all that knowledge to help me succeed. Whereas others sometimes struggle because they got there so fast. Did you find that when you were going through that process that you were comparing yourself to others at the academy? Yes and no. When you, when you, how they did it is you had a guy that you came up with. So uh, you're paired with him. Like I was paired with this guy called Chance Champion. He still wrestles here on the Florida Indies. And uh, me and Chance were paired together. That means every day we were together. I've wrestled him more than probably the past 10 years, probably over 500 times or more. Like, I know everything he's going to do. He knows everything I'm going to do. That's how much we've wrestled. So you get you compare yourself to his success uh, during wrestling school. And, he, they, and I think Bubba knew that because the one thing Bubba and Devon, like Bubba has a reputation, and we all know, as a hard ass. But he's also a fair hard ass, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, he reminds me of a football, old-school football coach. And he's going to say things that are not necessarily you want to hear because that's not how he was brought up. And Devon's the more new-school guy, you know, where it, like, it, it's like it's like they're, they're my wrestling parents. But, you know, they also know how to push you, and everybody is pushed differently. They know telling me I'm doing good or doing that really isn't going to help me because – that's not how I work. I don't want. I don't like when people kind of like cheer me on when I'm doing like drills or something like that. They're like, "You can do it." And I'm like, "Well, I hope so." <laughs> like, I, I, I want. I, I want criticism. I, I've always wanted that. I, even when I, with my matches, I, I I don't ask what I did well because I can hear it from the fans. I look to see what I didn't do well to fix that. And that's always been my mentality. So I think they knew that about me and why they why they were hard on certain people. And with, with Chance, Chance did everything right the first time, every time. First of all, that's annoying no matter who you are. When somebody just does it right, like, every time. It's like watching a Will Ospreay match. You're like, great. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, cool. He, he ran up the ropes, did a backflip, landed in a superhero pose. Oh, now he's ascending to the ceiling. Of course he is. <laughs> like, and as I trip to get in the ring, I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> but that's how it kind of feels. Because when you watch him and he does it perfectly, then you're like, you have to go. And you're like, oh, okay. It's that simple. And then you just fall flat in your face and you're like, oh, okay, cool. And it takes you 14 times. Yeah, you do tend to compare yourself. And there was a lot of times on the way home that I might or might not was very bitchy <laughs> and uh, very very like I might quit sort of situations and complain a lot. So Chance spent a lot of car rides for, we went every Monday through Friday for a year, nonstop, no days off, me and him. He probably still has nightmares of of me complaining. (laughs) Describe the reaction from Bubba and from your peers when you finally passed. I did the evaluation perfectly all 14 times. It's just Bubba's like, I don't like it. I don't like it. Could be better. Uh, wasn't quick enough. Uh, that was too quick. Uh, like he kept doing that. Like he was mentally pressuring me. But the one thing 3D, it teaches you to survive this business. This business is extremely difficult getting into it. And I'm sure you know this by talking to so many wrestlers is this isn't easy because there's no, there's no right or wrong of how you're going to get hired or a job. There's no there's no rhyme or reason behind it. So, and it's the entertainment business. So everybody everybody's very competitive, and you're gonna be there's gonna be tough times. How are you gonna react to those tough times? Is gonna basically make your make or break your career. So when I fail when I when we got to the 14th time and I did it. Uh, I did it with a wrestler called Mike Labasca. He now does, uh, he actually doesn't wrestle anymore. He does uh, commercials and TV. And 
<laughs> Bubba looked at me. He goes, I just can't watch this anymore. Fine, you pass. <laughs> everybody just everybody cheered. It was it was like like because he was just dead silent and like I'm breathing heavy and he's just shaking his head and he's like you know what you're terrible but you pass. <laughs> I first did the my 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 third evaluation which I thought I was gonna pass like it was so good. I wrestled Sam Shaw or Dexter Loomis uh, at, at NXT. Sam is the most fluent human being in a ring. Like he'll like it. It's like you're not wrestling. He's just doing it all. That's how it feels when wrestling him. He's that good when when it comes to like how fluent he is when wrestling him. And I was like, I remember the third time I failed. That was the most devastating one because I was like, this was perfect. And Bob was like, this was terrible. You didn't lead. You weren't in control. Sam did everything and just ripped me apart. And I was at that point, I literally went outside and I just was like yelling, just yelling. Like I had to walk out of the building because I was just so furious. So when it got to the 14th time, I literally thought he was going to fail me again. I was like, oh, I think this is going to be our this is going to be our gimmick for the rest of our lives. I'm just going to be here at 3D, just just doing this drill <laughs> every month the second match for your DVD then we've got uh, Mankind and Shawn Michaels from Mind Games what would you like your second match to be then Mike so then toss up uh, between uh, JBL and Eddie Guerrero one of the best feuds I ever think in wrestling that still damers me but I chose Brock Lesnar Eddie Guerrero Congratulations, Eddie Guerrero! But let me tell you something. I am not afraid of you. The only thing I have going for me is that every obstacle that's been put in front of me, I have overcome. Come no way out! You're not fighting the odds, Eddie. You're fighting me. I really hope you are addicted. Because at no way out, you're gonna get your fix. Truth is, Brock, I am an addict. But you know what, Brock? I am beating those demons. I am overcoming those obstacles. I disgraced my race. I disgraced my family. And I disgraced myself. I came to a point in my life where it was do or die. Day by day, I have earned my way back into this ring. When I step into this ring, yeah, bro, I am addicted. I'm addicted to the high that I get from them. I'm addicted to the do or die feeling, Holmes, that I'm going to have had no way out because I'm an addict and I'll do anything and run over anybody that it's gonna take to get that around my way and get my high and no way out and become the WWE Champion Everybody always takes Eddie winning. I look at it the different way. When a big man is treated like a monster and protected, moments of Eddie winning become that more special, just such a special occasion. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, yeah. Yeah, that's why I think a lot of the moments now is because wrestling has gone more to that 50-50 booking, um, the the Evolve style booking, where everybody's on an equal playing field. How kind of NXT does it? Not a real dot. Nobody's dot. Uh, a A A W does it a lot. Is like everybody's like a fifty fifty wrestler. They all have the same superpowers. To me, I at that point, Brock was a monster. Like just like, and I remember myself so surprised Eddie beat him. Even though at that time, I, like I know it's it, it, it's it, it is what it is, and no. And I, I just remember Brock's gonna kill Eddie. I just remember I like thinking to myself he might rip his arms off and beat him with it. And I'm like, and I just remember Brock 
just doing all these Brock running in the corner. And it's one of my favorite. Like he's done it over again since then with Cena and all that. But it was the first time Brock ran with that high knee in the corner and went up and over onto the floor. And I was like, oh my God. First of all, to be a big man in this business, I'm going to have to be that athletic. I'm going to have to figure out how to do that. And it still resonates in my head today. If you want to be a big man like Brock, you have to be able to be as try to be uh, like you can't. There's no more lumbering big man, if that makes sense. You can't be a big man and be like, roar. <laughs> that doesn't work. Nobody gets it. <laughs> you're going to have to be athletic. Now, Brock's a freak of nature and you're never going to be at his level. He's just a one of a kind athlete. But so was Eddie. And that's what made it special. And that's why I can watch the match over and over again, because how it was done was Eddie literally got the beat out of him. Like he was beat like he, he got little to no offense to the end of the match. And it all was like, to me, a perfect match, like a perfect storm sort of way. Like after he missed that knee, everything went downhill and Eddie attacked the knee. And I was just like, wow, wow, that's so brilliant. And it, that's that's my second match. Just because I'm not, I'll preface this. I know a lot of people and a lot of wrestlers preach about wrestling, you know, the moves and the techniques. To me, wrestling has always been and always will be about the story and the entertainment. That's pro wrestling. And the story in that match and what led up to that match gave you the emotion at the end of it. Where were you in terms of your wrestling career when you sat down to watch that match? Going into college. Like, <laughs> like, I, like I, I was, at that point right now, I was probably thinking more NFL, uh, political career, something different. But wrestling was still on my mind. Like, so much so. In college, I, I used to make my uh, roommates, who were my teammates, every Monday night. It was Monday Night Raw. We had Monday Night Raw, and so we had four TVs in our thing. So it would be Monday Night Raw, and the rest be, like, NCAA uh, football, uh, Madden, and it would be, like, all the guys would be in the house, and I would – you couldn't have noise on the video games. That was my rule. <laughs> every Monday night. I would freak out if you turned the – like, because I wanted to watch Monday Night Raw every Monday night, and every – uh, at any away game or anything like that, I would always watch uh, wrestling. Like, I would have, like, a, a tape or a DVD that I'd pop in and watch every time. <laughs> I would drive my roommates, my roommates or whoever uh, was bunking with me nuts. Like, <laughs> like, they'd be like, bro, come on. You know, I'm like, nope, I don't know. Shut up. <laughs> you mentioned there as well. So when this was happening, so... There were. There sounds like there was sort of three paths you could have gone down here. If wrestling wasn't on the table, uh, which of those paths do you think you would have followed? Uh, law. I I I left going to law school to go to wrestling school. I didn't tell my parents for a year that I, I was training. I just decided that I was going to take some time off and go to Florida. How do you explain that you, you're not going to use any of your degrees that you worked for for the past couple years? Uh, that you're going to go play fight other dudes in your underwear. <laughs> yeah, very, because that's what your parents think. You're play fighting other dudes in your underwear. They don't look at wrestling the way you look at wrestling as an art, a passion, a sport. They don't look at it like that. The likelihood of you making it like is really, really like you have a better chance of winning a thousand dollars on a scratch off than making it in wrestling. It's really difficult. I don't. And right now is, Besides before COVID, it was even more difficult. Like the the amount of talent that's out there just to get seen or get opportunities is astronomically hard. It really is. I've been blessed to have the opportunities that I have being able to wrestle in all Japan, NWA, Evolve, MLW, like with super talented guys. Like it's real. I, I, I always tell people when they're like, I want to break in the wrestling business. They need to understand how hard it is. And that's the one thing I always thought Bubba and Devon did very well. A lot of schools tell you that they're going to get you a job sort of thing. Like, come to us. We're going to get you in the, the, the WWE or whatever their 
pushing. And Bubba's like, yeah, no, we don't do that. We're going to give you the tools to succeed. They're not going to go out of their way to get you a job. They're not going to go out of their way to get you an opportunity. Nobody did it for them. You have to do it for yourself. But they'll give you the tools to do that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And what started as a winning streak for superstar Sean Davis and Heartbreak Enterprises turned into a no contest, followed by the end, defeating the Dirty Blonde. How did you come to meet Odinson? I did a WWE tryout uh, a few years ago. I was the unlucky one of being in the 205 Live tryout. So imagine being 300 pounds and being in the 205 Live tryout. <laughs> <laughs> you stand out. Uh, oh, you stand out. You stand <laughs> out a lot. <laughs> So how, how the tryout works, they put you in these little groups and stuff like that. So I was actually, there was a couple big men. It was like me, uh, Dio Madden, who's there now, uh, and uh, Adon, a uh, Jewish wrestler, and an, an, another guy. We're like the big guys in the back. And then there was two other big guys in front of me, and then it was the 205 Live group. Well, you go in groups of four. So the two guys in front of me dropped out the first day with an ankle injury or something. I got moved into Cedric, uh, Anthony Nice, uh, a New Zealand All Black, uh, and uh, another guy from Australia. And I'm like, oh, cool, awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like, keep up with them. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds super simple. I, I, you know, me being 6'4", 300 pounds, and them being, well, you know, they could go lightning speed at everything they do. I'm like, yeah, this is going to work out great. So I think I held my own. And Otis said, don't run right after. But I got, uh, uh, they told me the character that I was doing was absolutely terrible and I wasn't funny. Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm hysterical, but <laughs> I was doing a, I was doing a five-year-old character because Bubba wanted to do something for me that protected me to learn as I go. Because he had the belief that you can't learn how to be a great heel in this business if you have no idea how to get sympathy. If you don't know how to be the great, uh, a, a good baby face, then you'll have no idea how to be the, the greatest heel. So he wanted me to, because a lot of wrestlers, when they first start, they all want to be bad guys. They all want to be heels. Everyone. They all, because heels are cool. And, and of course, I did too. <laughs> he was like, no, find something that can protect you. So I found, I did a giant five-year-old character and had a guy in a bear outfit uh, that was my security guard. I took that from Chris Jericho. Uh, Ralphus, 
uh, I just did it with a guy in a bear outfit and wrote security like a five-year-old on it. <laughs> Let me tell you, that bear sold a lot of photos. <laughs> like, when everybody was getting like uh, $5 and a hot dog, and I'm going away with like $300 because every kid wants a $20 picture with me and a, and a giant stuffed bear outfit. Funny story, uh, Leva Bates was the bear a lot of the times. Oh, really? Yeah, Leva, Leva Bates made the outfit for the bear. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> and I remember Devon's like, that will never work. <laughs> Lo and behold, years later, Cody Rhodes comes out with a bear. Of <laughs> 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 course. Like, I was ahead of my time, I like to believe. <laughs> but I ended up going to uh, an FIP show with uh, Eddie Graves, uh, Drennan, who ended up being our, our manager. So what happened was I went there as this big boss man type of character, as his heavy. And I saw Odinson, and I was like, damn, this dude looks like Thor. <laughs> and I was like, and they were totally using him totally wrong. Like, he was just thrown in at Haas battles. And he was kind of lost on where he was, too. And then Gabe took over FIP, and he switched me and Eddie, uh, or uh, uh, Drennan. And he was like, Drennan, you're going to be the manager now and not wrestle, and Perro's going to be the wrestler. So I'll always give Gabe credit for that, that he switched that. But he didn't have anything for Otison. So I pitched the idea of, because I'm not dumb, I know my limitations. Like, I know my limitations in the ring. And Otison, where I lack, he's great. And where he lacks, I'm great. So we're a really good team. And so I pitched this idea, and Gabe's like, fine, try it. And then, lo and behold, the end was born. And we've... Four years now, we've we're we're he's he, they were in my wedding, so <laughs> like I travel everywhere. A lot of people will be familiar with your work in all Japan. I, I I'm a goal oriented guy, as we've talked about earlier. I always knew getting into a, a vol that was what uh, me and Odinson wanted to do. The moment we stepped foot in a vol, me and Odinson wanted Japan. We've always wanted Japan because. To us, tag team wrestling is important. A lot of people love to be singles wrestlers. We do not. We want to be a tag team. And you'd be amazed how many people want to separate me and Odinson. Oh, you could be this or, you know, and they bring it up because, you know, during I've we've had a little rough period during this time. Not a rough period, but I came out of the closet right when we started tagging. So... It's been, uh, you know, you're, you're me personally navigating me being an openly gay athlete all at the same time as explaining to people that I'm an openly gay athlete, but me and like my character isn't doesn't do anything related to me being gay. We just beat the shit out of you. <laughs> that's what we do. You know, we're badasses. That's that's our thing. And to get that through people's head is like. Well, you have to do something gay. And I'm like, why do I have to do something gay? Do you do something straight every match? Like, <laughs> that that's what I never understood. So those things come in mind when we're our, our process to Japan. So when we got involved with Evolve, um, we, uh, in New Orleans, uh, when we did our New Orleans uh, WrestleMania, we ran into uh, a Daisuke Sakamoto. And... He was amazed of that we weren't running people over because in Japan, big big wrestlers are important. They they hold size. the 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 size of a wrestler is very important to Japanese wrestling, um, especially in all Japan. And uh, he had ties to all Japan, and he had mentioned us uh, of being a big t tag team from America. And they got in contact with us. Um, a few months later after that WrestleMania and asked if we wanted to do the world tag league. And from our first debut match, we went from like zero to like hero over there. Like we just lucked out and got a strong fan base and ended up, uh, having a great relationship with all Japan. Now, you know, like granted right now we were supposed to be back over there, but unfortunately, <laughs> 
at home, <laughs> spending my honeymoon. <laughs> you came out publicly in 2017, and I'm curious to know, because we've, we've talked a lot, there's been a lot said in the press about conversations that you had with your parents and such like that about it. Uh, can you remember the conversation you had with Odinson about it? Yes, I remember the exact moment and where I was standing. Uh, we were standing at FIP. We had just started tagging. And uh, I look at him and I said, uh, brother, I, I have something to tell you. And I was like, I'm gay. <laughs> and he goes, so one thing you need to understand about Ozan, by the way he looks. Everybody looks at him, but they don't understand. He's like the biggest hippie in the world, like Matt Riddle. Him and Matt Riddle are like one and the same. Like, chill, bro. Like, like very mellow people. Very fun. And Odinson looked at me, he goes, so? He's like, are you going to stop hitting people really hard? <laughs> I was like, no. And I was like, but I, that's not what I'm telling you. Is I I had on, on the uh, Martin Stone, uh, Danny Burch in WWE, is one of, one of my closest wrestling friends um i ended up marrying him and his wife back i was asked to do an interview that in great britain for uh gay star news and i remember doing the uh, the interview and nothing came of it nothing at all and i was just like oh okay they're not going to run the article i'm a boring person you know <laughs> it happens well i find out that the article's going to come out in, in december so i had to tell odinson i was like i don't know what's going to happen after this article if you want to leave me right now, because I know how it can be in this business, I don't want to hurt your career of something I did. And he goes, we're a team, right? We decided that we're all in, right? And I was like, yeah, that we all in, bro. Let, let's, let, let's, let's roll with this. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't care. And he's like, nobody else should either. He's like, and I was like, listen, being a gay badass is kind of revolutionary you know whether people say it or not there's no other person like me on the indies there, there isn't and it's very being booked the way that way without you, you you don't know how many promoters along the way have been like why don't you have a crush on odinson why don't you uh you know do do stuff that effie does why don't you do uh why don't you wear more rainbows like jake uh you need to be more sympathetic because, you know, you're being gay. And I'm like, well, I'm not being gay. I am gay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, why would I be sympathetic? Nobody feels, my parents didn't feel sympathy for me. Uh, I'm 6'4", 300 pounds. It's very hard to be sympathetic gay man at being as big and you could kill the other person in front of you. But it's still, people have that notion. And, and that's why I did come out. And for, because I, growing up, watching wrestling the one thing i didn't have was a person like me everybody always has a person that represents them that's why wrestling's so important it gets you through tough periods because wrestling represents everybody there's something there's a character for everybody in wrestling and that's why wrestling's important problem is there was no wrestler like me there was no badass gay guy now at the time i i didn't know canyon was gay none of us did that would have been awesome to know towards the end. But I was already adult when he passed. But being a kid, I didn't I didn't have any representation. So the reason I came out is I just want to be the person I needed to see when I was young. The athlete I needed to see. That's all I wanted to do. And I I had to tell Odinson, you know, you don't have to be part of this journey with me. It's going to be difficult. And right away, he didn't back down. He's like, no. And he's been through a lot of homophobia with, like, a lot of homophobia in locker rooms with me, you know, and had had, had to, you know, because homophobia is different now. It isn't, it isn't how it was, like, they'd straight up tell you. Because nobody wants to tell you now because they're afraid they'll be canceled or something like that. So it's like through the grapevine or little things they do, and you're like, really, bro? Like, gonna be cool to my face and then say that like sort of situations and so he's had to deal with that also and i commend him for that because you know it it's it's you know, when you're a tag team you know you guys are together every whatever either one of you do affects the other because you're a business a brand and everything so 
I really appreci- appreciate, you know, him being there for me. There'll be people listening to this today who will find themselves in a in a position like yourself from before 2017. Is there anything that you'd want to put out to the world to them? Yeah, it get it does get better. It gets better because you can't be the best athlete you can be if you're hiding a huge part of yourself from the world because that takes up every moment because the longer it goes on it's like a lie when you tell a lie you have to tell another lie and then another lie and then another lie and eventually that lie consumes everything and you lost the point when you're a wrestler your career you need to it's not a a, if you want to make it you can't just do it on the weekends and stuff like that. This is this is a full time, full time event. Full time, uh, it, it just consumes your life. When you have to keep hiding and pretending to be something you're not, and then at the same time as your career is also an exaggeration of yourself, one of them is going to take control and it's going to mentally break you. And trust me, I know for, it's been documented. Is it, it collapsed me. And I'm happy I came out on the other side, but others don't. We become stronger as an LGBTQ community the more we speak up. The less we speak up, you know, it, your voice can only be heard when it's a, tons of voices. One voice, that's great. But if everybody starts speaking up, that's one loud voice. Things will change. There's going to be LGBTQ storylines. It's not going to be fast. It's going to be slow. Just bear with us. But if you, as a fan, support us, being an ally, you know, you don't have to be gay. But just remember what that person next to you is going through. You don't know. Like, their whole world could be collapsing because I I always say this being in the closet is like being the loneliest person, no matter how many friends you have, there's a, there's a, and you're trying to yell that there's a monster, but nobody can hear you because you can't tell them because you're afraid of what's going to happen when you do tell them, just let anybody know next to you, especially coming up with pride month. It's okay. They're still going to be your friends. You could change somebody's life forever just by being accepting. And it's it's super simple. Say, cool, because it doesn't affect your life. <laughs> you know, like that that's what I would leave them with. There's a little bit of this show that I may not have told you about because I like to get the initial reaction from it. It's nothing dangerous or horrible, I promise. Uh, but uh, I liked. Uh, so what we're going to do, as well as taking three wrestling matches, I'm allowing you to take with you to the desert island, a movie, an album, and a luxury item. So when I say to you, you can take a movie, what's the first movie off the top of your head, Mike? Indiana Jones. Nice. Which one? So, I'm a huge Indiana Jones, but I have to say uh, Quest for the Holy Grail. I'm going to go Quest for the Holy Grail. Why that one in particular? His dad. <laughs> yes! Uh, Good call. I, I, it's, the best, it's the best one. I, I have Sean Connery, and and for me, it's my me and my one of me and my dad's favorite movies to watch, watch. And my dad passed earlier this year, so I would definitely take that or a Star Trek film because me and my dad love Star Trek. But that was the film that like I remember watching, and I love Indiana Jones, and so did he. So the, Indiana Jones, uh, Holy Grail. How about an album? Ooh, album. Ah. So this is going to be weird. Uh, I probably I listen to a lot of country and it drives Odin's and nuts, <laughs> but I'd actually bring probably. Ooh, oh, that was really hard. Uh, That's why it's good uh, off the top of your head because it puts the pressure on. Uh, okay, I, w- I, w- I was actually just listening to Marilyn Manson. Which particular which album in particular were you listening to? Uh, uh. The the one where uh, uh, can't remember the, the the one where he's uh, 
androgynous. Uh, like he has the girls, the 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 drag sh- suit on, where he looks like a girl. Uh, that album. I'm trying to think which one that is. Ah, forget the name of the album. But I was just listening to it, Walking the Dogs. I I think I, I always enjoyed Marilyn Manson because he's an artist, like and a really good singer that he never gets credit for. Like, I always, I always just thought that was funny. They're like, he's the devil. And I was like, he's actually really good. Like, a really good artist. I don't know. Uh, is it Mechanical Animals? I think it might be. It's the, the, the he has the white, uh, uh, woman suit on. I think that's Mac- where it, yeah. That, that's that's that, that I was just listening to that and I could listen to that all the time so nice and how about a luxury item it's funny you should say that we are just uh, we uh, I had to watch survivor ever never seen an episode and uh being in quarantine we turned it on they had the season finale and Morgan asked me the same question he's like what would you bring to the island as a luxury item <laughs> and uh I would probably say toothpaste. I hate bad breath. <laughs> Clean teeth. I hate. I, so, remember what Gene uh, Stins, uh, Stins? Oh my God, I can't pronounce his last name. But he had the the teeth, that ugly teeth. I hated. That. Oh yeah. I absolutely. I hate that. Like it. That was like I like I was so grossed out. Like it wasn't even like I liked the character. I was like I can't watch it. Like <laughs> to, to me, like I don't even know why. From a guy that keeps getting his teeth punched out, I'm still like, I'd like a good, uh, you know, a good brushing. So, you know, you're on a desert island, like you can jump in the the ocean, I like so to get cleaned off. So, but longer your mouth goes, and like you know, I don't know, just cleanliness. I I don't know that I I chose toothpaste. I know he thought it was weird too. He's like, of all the things you could choose. <laughs> We've had In Your House Mind Games, Mankind, Shawn Michaels, Eddie Guerrero, Brock Lesnar from No Way Out 2004. What is your last match going to be, sir? So this one w- 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 was hard because one of my favorite matches of all times is Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the I'm sorry match. Mm-hmm. That changed wrestling in general. For a match that I can watch over and over and over and over again, I'm going to have to say uh, the first TLC, No Mercy. 1999, No Mercy. Oh, well, um, the ladder match, Edge and Christian and the Hardys. Yes. Remember, everyone, hanging by the ring is the prize, symbolic of the $100,000 offered by Terry. The winning team will get the 100 grand, and they will also get Terry's managerial skills, services, if you will. Jeff Hardy, the ladder teetering. Edge went down. Christian went down. Matt Hardy's... Show me the money, Matt Hardy. He can't get. He got it. Oh, oh God Almighty! The Hardys have. They won the match. The Brood. I can't believe it. It's the most amazing displays I have ever seen in my life. It was the first time to me that a tag teams proved they could be the main event because tag teams are usually relegated to not main event status, but tag teams are so special, so special, and. This is what this is what I don't get is like a lot of people get credit for the Attitude Era, but the tag team should get all the credit. <laughs> tag team wrestling was re- reinvented during that period of time in the Attitude Era. There were so many like like great tag matches that were so innovative, so different that turned all those guys into separate superstars at different levels and. To me, watching, I could, I could just watch them go. Like, it, it, to, that's, that's my motivation. Now, I want me and Odinson to get to that level where the next generation of people watching want to be a tag team. We do a podcast with Holic where we're watching all the SmackDown episodes. Uh, 
chronologically and you can we're, we've just had the point where we've had edging christian the hardy's almost wrestle every week on raw and smackdown and you can hear the crowd getting louder and louder and louder and then we get this ladder match which absolutely blows everybody away and it's exactly what you said there where it's tag team wrestling redefining the industry in general is there something about uh, tag team wrestling that you learned from that match that you've incorporated in some of your work you don't step on each other you're you're a team the problem with tag team wrestling now is they throw a lot of random guys together and they're singles wrestlers wrestling as a tag these guys put their move sets to mesh with each other so they each had unique move sets that worked together rather than apart like the problem with a lot of the tag teams they throw together now are two singles guys trying to get over it's like radio if you're on with another person. You don't step on their stuff. Like, does that make, that's my, my, my thought process is those guys were so fluent of making a tag, but you knew who Edge was and you knew who Christian was. You knew who Matt was and you knew who Jeff was. You knew who Bubba was and you knew who Devon was. And it was the first time where it wasn't matchy matchy wrestling, where in the 80s it was very uh everybody's a twin twin their their gear was twins they were twins everybody's a twin twin and then we're back to it now too it's like you have to be a brother to be like a tag team because you know each other's moves and i'm like that was the first time i'm like they had different moves different finishers and they had a tag team finish like and, and the errors before that they did but it was the first time it caught me and i'm like Wow, these guys are working as a team, a team. And that's the number one thing I take away from that era of wrestling. These guys were a team. APA were so cool because it was like this badass team. Where I always look at APA. You can't tell me if they won or ever won or lost a match if I ask you. You don't know what matches they won, but you knew they beat the crap out of somebody, <laughs> did you not? That's true. That's true. That, I, I, you, I was just thinking over there, and I was thinking, actually, I, I ain't got a clue on their win-loss record. I just know that the APA were cool. That's all that I knew as a kid. That's one of me and Odinson's favorite tag teams. That's, like, th them and Legion of Doom. You know, like, uh, it's... It, uh, or, or the Road Warriors. Uh, you know, those were our, like... The, that's where we are as a tag team. Because you don't care if me or Odinson ever wins or loses. You just want to see us beat up somebody. And that's what I loved about that era was they they were so good at making you forget who lost. Because Edge and Christian always won those matches. But every it always seemed like everybody won that match. Right? Yeah. Like, like, you, Edge and Christian always like I oh, and I I swear to God I'm always was always bad at these uh, ladder matches every time they all all three all three of the groups fought was so us like how do they keep winning <laughs> it's like get like but the next night would follow with the Dudleys putting somebody through a table and then you know Matt Matt and Jeff being the ultimate baby faces like as soon the the pop their music would hit and I'll be like. This was so great. It was the first time I realized you don't have to be a single star. You can be a tag team. And that's the one thing me and Odinson want to do, why it's important for us. Why it was so important for us to be in all Japan and not do Japan at the time. Uh, we wanted to go historic companies. I wanted. I want to be the NWA tag champions. I've told Billy that. I, I want those belts. I want to do everything before I get somewhere because one, I'm an openly gay man and that hasn't been done before. And, you know, I'm the first openly gay man, as I know of to ever compete in the all uh, world tag league for all Japan ever, you know, and I like to make you forget that. I like you to remember that me and Odinson did it. And, and those guys made you forget certain things because they were performing magic. And that's why I probably would watch that match over and over and over again. Uh, when everything gets back to normal, and it eventually will, FIP is your home promotion. Do you have anything in mind that you'd love to do uh, in the next nine months with them? I want my FIP titles back. <laughs> <laughs> 
held those babies for two years. <laughs> brought we we literally brought them throughout the world. Uh, that was the one thing I loved about FIP rather than Evolve is FIP is a tag team promotion. Always has been, always will be. You know those tag belts are. You know I do regret never winning the Evolve belts, but you know things happen. Um, this year I want me and Otis to take the next step. Like it's going to be difficult, it's going to be hard, but I think we're ready. We're ready to be in an AEW or a WWE. All our all everybody we've worked in the past are there now. All our friends are there. You can't say we're not at the same level as them. <laughs> so people we beat are there, you know. So we're looking in the next nine months to try to take that step. See see the steps we have to take to get there. And we want we want to always grow our fan base. You know, I that that's always been important to us. Like this year, we're doing our first ever. Me and Odinson have never done a pride shirt together this year, but I, I also don't want a shirt that is like very rainbowy because that's not me <laughs> or him. You know, we just want something that we could take a little bit of the money and help help some uh, LGBTQ youth out. That's that that's what I want to get at. You know, wrestling is for everybody, and I always say that. It, it, Wrestling is the one place in the world where you can have a 70-year-old lady screaming right next to a (laughs) five-year-old. You can have the wealthiest human being in the front row next to the poorest person. And all of them are losing their mind for one story going on right there. It's the one place where I truly believe everybody, if done right, can be at an equal footing. And that's that's why I really liked Progress. I I, I love Progress. I was watching Progress before Progress got popular. <laughs> like I, I I I loved I loved working for Progress. Like I got the opportunity in New Orleans to work for them and got and in that match, <laughs> everybody in that match has become somebody special on the Indies. You know MJF, uh, Joey Janela, uh, Darby Allen, Jeff Cobb. Chris Brooks, Ricky Shane Page. So, like, they knew how to pick their talent. <laughs> One of the most rewarding, but it also could take everything away from you all at once. And this is the first time that I think COVID is uh, going through this is actually a blessing. It's given a lot of people time to reassess and know where they're going to go in their career. So... Now is the time. It, it helped me and Odinson really focus on what we want. What are our goals? Like you just asked, where do you want to be in nine months? We've taken this time. You know, I've been running 20 miles every day because I'm trying to stay as much cardio shape. I was lucky to have weight equipment at my house and work out, and so was he. Because I don't want any excuses when we're freed and safely able to have fans return to wrestling because i will say this whether you agree or not wrestling isn't the same without the fans it really isn't it it, it, it's been a struggle for all of us to to get through this but the show must go on and we they have to make some concessions right now during the time to keep everybody safe but i am at a I, I, I can't wait personally for fans to come back in the arena just just to feel their energy again. Because there's, like, as a fan myself, there's nothing like feeling the energy in the arena from a fan. Nothing. There's nothing like it. No matter if it's five people or 500, 5,000 or 50,000 or 500,000, that energy pushes wrestlers to be better in the ring. And it makes the product better. When everything gets back to uh, to normal, when the crowds are there again, uh, where can people go to find out where you're going to be, sir? My Twitter is one of my favorite things to use, and I always talk to anybody on Twitter, which is Pero underscore. Uh, uh, I would say my Instagram, but my Instagram is basically just selfies and me and my husband doing stupid quarantine stuff right now uh, <laughs> uh, to pass the time. And 
that he wishes that he said yes to TikTok, <laughs> but he did not. Oh, come on. Get on TikTok. Work it. Wear him down. He'll get on there. Yeah, I was like, fine. Uh, I, then we'll just do stupid videos. He's like, fine. Arrow <laughs> <laughs> underscore. P is in Paul A-R-R-O-W underscore. And, for, and go for nothing else but to watch Mike annoy his husband. Because it's genuinely uh, all of us in quarantine right now. If you're living with other half, um, we're finding new and imaginative ways to annoy them. And if you're running out of ideas, go check Paris Twitter. He will help you out. <laughs> <laughs> we walked into our CrossFit yesterday because our CrossFit gym opened up. And they're, they're doing it safely and all that. We, we, we want to support small businesses because they're the backbone of any economy. So but when we walked into the CrossFit, they were like, so are we all going to get to do a video today? And I was like, Morgan, Morgan would just laugh. He's like, oh, now you got them involved. I really think this goes on another couple months. He's he's going to be looking for a, a new guy. Uh, <laughs> the glory he, is, the glory is, he can't because he can't go anywhere. Exactly. And, and that's what I said. I'm like, you're a trap with me. I'm like, what they said, for better or for worse, you know. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 